You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanio, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 31, I am speaking with a yogi and lawyer. This guest teaches recent law graduates and bar exam takers to unwind with yoga. Based in Sacramento, California, today's guest is Dana Shaker. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Of course. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a lawyer by training and I'm an attorney barred in DC, but I'm also a full-time policy consultant. I work in the California state legislature. And most recently I've added the hat of becoming an online business entrepreneur in the yoga space. I'm a yoga teacher for lawyers, law students, policy consultants, political professionals, basically just, you know, anybody who is trying to find a little more mental wellness and emotional wellness in their lives. And particularly for folks in the legal space, I think that especially, you know, during the pandemic, I think everyone's, you know, desire for more mental wellness sort of reached an all-time high. And this was something that I could do in my own particular community to help. Yeah. What did you study in undergrad? So I studied sociocultural anthropology and I loved every minute of it. (laughs) It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I loved the idea that you could take people's stories and experiences and sort of turn them into, you know, have them be sort of like scientific evidence and and data toward understanding larger patterns about Mm -hmm. a particular group or people. And in particular, when I was in undergrad, anthropology was starting to move a little bit from its tradition and its history of studying down to more studying up. So a lot of the classes were focused on like the culture of wall street and like, (laughs) you know, like let's like take a look at like how all of these, you know, systems and and people work together. And so that was what I was really kind of, you know, fascinated with is, okay, we can really use people's own narratives, people's experiences to, you know, help make some kind of institutional change. And I think that's what sort of incentivized me onto the policy track, you know, that inspired me to think about, okay, this could, this could happen maybe in more of a governmental structure, you know, Mm -hmm. more in a policy space. Okay. Which is what led you to law school. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So what made you become a policy consultant? I went to law school sort of knowing that I, I wanted to, you know, learn legal tools to help in the policy arena. So I studied sociocultural anthropology as an undergrad, and I was really interested in people and cultures, but also just trying to create some sort of institutional change from a policy perspective. So I went in with that mentality. And frankly, I took a little bit of a meandering road in law school. I tried out, you know, the nonprofit space and I tried the government space and I tried the law firm space. And ultimately I ended up back where I started knowing that, you know, policy was going to be for me. And so I sort of decided I was going to go for it. And so I just sort of went after a job in the California legislature and have been able to move up through the ranks in the last couple of years. And now I'm actually in the position that I really wanted to be in when I first started looking into the legislature. So that's been pretty cool. Okay. And when you say you were in the law firm space and this and that, were you working at a law firm after graduation? Yes. So I did work for a couple of months, around nine months at a law firm after graduation. Okay. And I summered at that same firm too. But, and this gets into, you know, more of the vulnerable side of things, but I did go through the experience of failing the bar exam. Mm-hmm. 
I actually did fail the exam twice. It took me three times to pass that marker. And so the firm I was working for at the time had sort of a two try, you know, policy. And even though I was, you know, performing really well and, and working well with the attorneys and I was getting really great feedback on my actual work, the firm decided to let me go. And so I sort of affectionately refer to that moment as my quarter life crisis because I was 25 when all mm-hmm. of this happened. And so that was the moment where I really had sort of an internal personal reckoning of, you know, okay, you know, what am I going to do and what do I want to do? I think I had really gotten away from that question of, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do sort of as I was going through the law school path, just sort of, you know, trying different things out or, you know, thinking, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. And if not for that experience, I wouldn't have been able to come back to my internal compass, if you will, and say, wait a minute, why did I start this in the first place? And yeah. you know, where do I want to be going? So yeah. It's totally normal to go into law school thinking, you know, hey, I want to do, you know, employment law and end up, you know, doing, I don't know, intellectual property or something mm-hmm. like it's, that's such a normal trajectory. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just my experience was just a little bit different for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, that is normal, but I found that it wasn't talked about that much. Mm-hmm. which, you know, people are just, I'm going to be a corporate lawyer, whatever that entails. If it ends up being mergers, if it ends up, whatever, just corporate law, or they wanted to, you know, own their own firm, be solo practitioners, but no one really talked about, what if I don't want to work for myself anymore? I want to get another job. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind me asking, how did your family feel when you didn't pass the bar exam? Were they like, keep going? You know, I know this is what you've always wanted, or, hey, why don't you look at something else? Yeah. My family was really supportive. You know, during that time, they knew how hard I had studied, how hard everybody who, you know, goes after the bar exam studies. And they were very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. You know, they were sort of like, if you want to keep going, you know, great. If you don't, if you want to transition, that's okay too. And for me, I also, you know, had to get really clear on sort of where I wanted to practice. So I was in California at the time and I took the California bar exam. That was the one that I failed twice, but I went to law school in DC at Georgetown. And so all my friends were there, my community was there and the field that I ultimately wanted to work in, which was in food and drug law was actually in DC. And so, you know, the other thing that, you know, my family and my friends were asking me was they were like, well, do you want to stay in California or do you want to come back to DC? Like, it seems like your community is across the coast here, right? (laughs) Across the country. Why don't you come back? And so that for me was a big shift too. just realizing that, you know, my own sort of internal values and my goals weren't really aligned with the external goal I was trying to achieve. And I can't tell you how much that shift made all the difference in terms of just how I was able to prepare for it, how I was able to, you know, study for it and ultimately how I was able to kind of take that exam. And and I I do think that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I was able to pass was because it all sort of fit together. Now life is funny, right? (laughs) And I still am in Sacramento and, you know, it's during that sort of time when I was waiting for my exam results, that's when, you know, I was sort of like, okay, you know, I have this, this dream to go into policy. Why don't I try going into policy here in Sacramento, the state capitals right here. I started to develop friends and I I met somebody very special who I'm still with today as my partners. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It is funny how life works out that way. But, you know, my family was very supportive of any decision that felt, you know, right for my next career step. Yeah. I did not pass the bar exam as well. And I never wanted to work in big law and Mm -hmm. I'm working in big law. (laughs) When you're in law school, at least my school, all they talk about is passing the bar, pass the bar. 
I had a couple of classmates who wanted to be school administrators. They wanted to go into the Louisiana Congress and send and legislative, but they still wanted to pass the bar. Like that was your gold star, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it took me a really long time to realize my education was still valuable without having passed the bar. Yeah, and I I totally understand that. I don't know what it's like sort of in other legislatures, but in the California legislature, you know, there are there are people with so many different, you know, backgrounds and degrees, you know, there are people who just, you know, straight out of undergrad who just kind of work their way up. There are people with law degrees, there are people with public policy degrees. We have science PhDs who are, you know, working mm. in environmental policy and transportation. Frankly, I want them there, you know. I yeah. want that expertise <laughs> when we're thinking about that kind of policy. But I think that's also a really good question, you know, for for anybody who might be going through this experience out there, you know, definitely check in with yourself and ask, you know, do I, do I want to practice? You know, does my career goals align with, you know, whatever's on the other side of this experience? And if they don't, then maybe you, maybe this isn't the right decision for you. And that's okay. There are so many opportunities out there for people with law degrees and professional backgrounds and skills like we have. And I just see that kind of exploding, especially in the online space now more than ever. So definitely is. I wish that law schools could tell law students there's so many other things you can do, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't think the NCBX is paying them to make sure people take the bar, but like it almost feels like it because they're just like bar, 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 like that's all they push. Yeah. And it might just be, that's just been the history and the tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But especially with the way that the workspace is changing and, you know, the the way that entrepreneurship is changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much that you can do out there with this kind of skill set. Yep. And that's why this podcast exists. I hope it gets people to see that there's so much more that you can do. So. Absolutely. And love your podcast. Love the whole thing about it. It's just awesome. (laughs) Thank you. You mentioned wanting to work in DC. Did you want to work for like the Food and Drug Administration, something like that in terms of policy or what? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I had this very strong interest in food and drug law um, when I, when I actually came to law school and I pursued that while I was in law school. And so that, that would have been my you know, that would have been where I would have gone had I been in DC. And of course, DC is the hub, you know, of, of mm-hmm. that sort of regulatory space with the FDA right there. But what's amazing, and, and one of the reasons that the job that I'm in right now, you know, was and is my dream job in the legislature is because I'm in the policy committee that handles a lot of you know, sort of food and drug related issues at the state level. So, you know, I handle like pharmacy issues and cannabis stuff. Um, um, there are some food issues that, you know, come to us every now and then. So I feel like I've been able to find a home here in the area that I I always wanted to work in. Now that's pretty unexpected. Yeah. (laughs) the track and you still are working in an area that you were initially interested in. That's very cool. Yeah. Thank you. It, (laughs) Definitely a circuitous path, but um, it worked out just the way it should. (laughs) That is something I don't hear about all the time. So in your current role, is it a JD preferred job? So that's a great question. I do believe that my, you know, my training is beneficial. And I do think that, you know, for the kind of analytical work that I do in terms of just logical, you know, reasoning, and certainly in terms of analysis and writing, that that's really helpful. I think that, you know, JD preferred masters, I think, you know, PhD are all, you know, preferred. I think that would, I think that would be helpful. I'm not sure about the particular categorization, but certainly, you know, we sort of hear uh, different bills as they're moving through the legislative process. And we, we ask the, the difficult policy questions, and then we write 
analyses that are, you know, can it be four pages or they can be 12 pages or however many, you know, however many issues sort of come up. So my training has absolutely been essential to my ability to be able to understand those issues and then communicate them verbally and in writing. So in your questionnaire, you mentioned that law school taught you to value your emotional and mental health. Would you share a little bit more details about that? Absolutely. (laughs) So looking back, I think that my law school experience those couple of years was probably the point in my life where I was sort of the most dissociated from my own sort of, you know, emotional and, you know, mental wellness and health experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just because in law school, as you know, we're taught to analyze, you know, we're taught to think critically, we're taught all of these wonderful, you know, tools of the mind, but not so much about sort of the physical and the emotional experience, right? You know, so I remember, you know, I, I, I was a competitive swimmer in high school and college. And so I'd go swim at the pool every day. And that was like, so wonderful and great. But I remember also feeling like I wasn't totally processing and understanding the experience of law school on an emotional level. Mm. And so it took me a while and it it honestly also took sort of an internal exploration that happened, you know, after I failed the bar exam and and needed to kind of, you know, figure out whether I was going to keep going or not to realize that, oh, hey, I, you know, I I kind of, you know, let this part of my life go (laughs) during law school and that there are, you know, really important tools that I need, you know, in order to continue to operate in this sort of mental, logical space, you know, I need to make sure that I'm also engaging with my physical body, you know, with my emotions and sort of checking in with myself too, as I move along this path. And that's sort of what led me to this yoga journey, if you will. (laughs) And, you know, to this understanding that, you know, there could be a great need, you know, for others who might be feeling the way that I was about up-leveling their, you know, mental and emotional wellness skills, just with daily practices, like through yoga and meditation and other things, just to kind of remind themselves on the daily that they're not just, you know, intellectualizing in, in their minds, but they're, they're also a full person. So yeah, it's a good point. I almost wish that law school was a little bit longer. It's like you start and then you're in a sprint and then it's time to graduate. And you're like, wait, what happened? Totally. <laughs> like, I know the years go so fast and you're like, I know I was here, but wow. Absolutely. And I, I felt like I truly didn't get that experience until after I just graduated. And then I looked back and I said, oh my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I went through three years. What yeah. happened? Yeah. <laughs> you have a doctorate degree. You just did this huge thing. Right. Which is such an accomplishment. And it's, you know, it's so exciting, but it also just because of the pace of law school, like Mm -hmm. you said, and the amount of, you know, the skills that you're learning, the material, I just felt like I, you know, didn't really have a chance to really catch my breath until it was all over. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into this business that you've created. You're a whole entrepreneur. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk a little bit more about your yoga practice. When did your interest in yoga change from being casual to you wanting to become a certified yogi? That's a great question. So it actually started a few months before the pandemic hit, which is actually, you know, when I look back at it, I think that's pretty kind of crazy timing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I first moved to Sacramento, um, I found a yoga studio that I really loved and started practicing more regularly. And I, I just really loved this place and the people. And I started to remember how much I enjoyed the practice of yoga and how much it felt like it was integrating, you know, my, my body, my mind, my emotions, my whole experience. 
And at some point, you know, I, I thought to myself, Hey, I should, you know, I should go deeper. I should learn about this. Maybe, you know, take a 200 hour training, you know, maybe get that, that sort of level of expertise. And that really became a focus of mine. Let's say fall of 2019, you know, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe in January or February. So in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I participated in a yin yoga teacher training. Now at the time I, I couldn't be certified in yin because you need to sort of complete your 200 hour base training first before you can move on to specialty certifications. But I took it anyway, because I don't know if you like yin yoga, but I love yin yoga. It's so nice. <laughs> no, you'll have to tell me the difference. Yeah. So most styles of yoga that folks practice are vinyasa. So that's, you know, inhale one pose, exhale another pose. Sometimes hatha, um, you can hold a particular pose for a couple of breaths. Yin yoga is very relaxing. So you just, you hold a pose for three to five minutes. Oh. And so it is, you know, obviously you do fewer poses in a class, but the idea is to kind of stretch the connective tissue and sort of the fascial system in your body. And it's much more about resting and restoring than it is about sort of, you know, getting your blood flowing and, and muscles moving. But it's really, it's a great experience. It's, you know, not for everybody, but I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm going to do this training. And so I did this month long training. Um, it was just on the weekends and it was super fun and I loved it. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive into full 200 hour training. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, what do I do? Where do I go for training? And it turns out that there are now some really incredible online yoga teaching courses. So that's what I did. I signed up for an completely virtual online yoga teacher training, which turned out to be amazing because now I, I sort of learned the tools of the online teaching trade. And, you know, some folks are still interested in having zoom classes, right? You know, they're not yeah, quite ready to go back to normal and, you know, there's all of that. And the whole industry has just moved to at least having a virtual option. So I did that. And then I thought, you know, okay, this was really fun and I want more. So this, this teacher, this program I enrolled with, she had another sort of 300, 500 teacher training. And so then I did that okay. <laughs> and it's just been a really fun experience. And I'm, I'm grateful because in small upsides of the pandemic for me was that I was able to, you know, complete those trainings, start a business and still hold down a full-time job, which mm -hmm. in large part, I think, because I was able to work from home and, you know, I didn't have to commute. So I had some time, you know, in yeah. between there and, you know, and all of that. I didn't have to. Okay. So. so you didn't have any interest in yoga when you were a child or high school or nothing like that? So I did, I did have an interest in it in high school and college because it was, it was sort of like cross training for swimming. So okay. we did like, we did Pilates and it was fun and I was always interested, but at that point in my life, I was, you know, much more sort of devoted to being an athlete. And so I was just like, this is cool, but you know, I'm going to focus on swimming. Yeah. <laughs> But it's something that I've loved for a long time. And so to be able to kind of come back to that and, you know, really enhance my knowledge and kind of my experience of it in a really deep way this year in particular has been fantastic. Yeah. And your business is specifically marketed towards policymakers, lawyers, and law students. Mm -hmm. Why is that clientele so important to you? Well, in large part, because of my own experiences and just knowing the value of having, you know, a daily practice where you can just come to your mat or, or whether it's, you know, running or, you know, biking for you, but you can just kind of come back to your body, come back to your own sort of, you know, emotional state and just kind of spend time with yourself. So there's that. And then also 
during the pandemic in particular, and I'm sure you could say this of, you know, a number of different friend groups and professional groups across the board, but I noticed a really strong uptick, um, at least in the legal community that, that I sort of keep in touch with, you know, in terms of the amount of stress people were feeling, the kind of, you know, anxiety they were feeling, the overwhelm, the burnout, mm-hmm. it just kind of reached an all-time high. And I just thought, you know, okay, well, there's, you know, there's something I can do about this. You know, if this is something that people are willing and interested in participating in, you know, this could really, really help people. And so I also am cognizant again of the fact that just because of our, maybe our training, lawyers are often so wrapped up in their minds that they kind of forget about, you know, the physical body and the yes. emotional experience and all of that. And so just having a daily yoga practice, you know, being able to kind of come to your mat and be with yourself every day, it's a practice. And it reminds you every day that you're a whole person, mm-hmm. even when you're going through difficult life challenges, just to be aware of that for me has made all the difference. Yeah. Lawyers are crazy. <laughs> I mean, at my firm, they were like, oh, no commute, no showering. And they just were working hundreds and hundreds of hours extra a month. And I'm like, you're not even on partner track. You just can't stop. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are hardworking, but it's almost obsessive. Yeah. And I mean, I, myself included, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not leaving myself <laughs> out of this. I think that there's such importance right now in shifting the culture and the idea of you know, what a lawyer can be and, and what we can do. I know that in the past couple of years, mental health and wellness has become a very important topic in sort of the legal community. And I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in the DC Bar's recent spring wellness fair in early May. And the DC Bar and then the California Lawyers Association just came out with a study that they jointly put together with some researchers that are basically showing that lawyers are experiencing, you know, increased levels of stress and anxiety and burnout. I think there was even a statistic that said that one in four women attorneys actually considered leaving the profession because of mental health problems and burnout and stress. You know, but there's there's a real mental health and wellness problem in the legal profession. And I think there are so many different ways that we can, you know, help support attorneys. So, you know, obviously traditional therapy um, is a great option, you know, group programs are a great option, but again, you know, just having a daily yoga and wellness practice for people that that resonates with that can be, you know, a way to, you know, move in a more mental health focused direction. Yeah. So that they can protect themselves and be healthy so they can practice less during the day, but longer years <laughs> because exactly. you'll be around longer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that just anecdotally, younger attorneys too are experiencing this feeling of burnout, you know, at, at higher rates of, or sort of, you know, I know that among some law firms, retention is really hard after the first couple of years. And so I do think there needs to be some sort of a shift institutionally and culturally, but I see sort of movement toward that. But what I want to focus on is, you know, for the people who are just, you know, saying, Hey, I I need a change and I need it now. You know, that's where I want to be able to help. Yeah. And you also have a course that's specifically for law students and bar exam students. Yes. How does that, yeah. How does that differ from the course, just your regular course? So it's a great question and it does sort of integrate with some of my other offerings. So as sort of a base program, I offer an online membership and, you know, that's for lawyers and and law students and folks. And so you get, you know, four live Zoom classes a week, you get on-demand video content, you get yoga hike audio recordings. If you happen to live in Northern California, we go on yoga hike, you know, adventures together once a month. 
and then workshops and retreats. So all of that is part of the membership and that membership is included in the bar exam program for the time that you're, you know, studying for the bar exam, or if, you know, if you want to, you know, have the membership for the full year, you can obviously like that first year, you know, coming out of law school and into, you know, your, your profession, it's such a transition year. And so that's sort of what I was, I was hoping to, um, to help people with is to say, let's develop those good daily mental wellness and emotional wellness practices from the get-go so that you can be, you know, successful in the long run. But then in addition to that, I sort of do one-on-one work. So like students would, you know, come in and if they just want a private yoga class with me, that's great. If they just want someone to listen, that's great too. I'm happy to hold space for that. I know that that experience of studying for the bar exam is just so incredibly stressful. And, you know, at some point, maybe your friends and family are kind of done hearing about it. So, <laughs> so you know, I'm happy to listen, you know, but it, it's, it's really to help provide whatever sort of tools I can provide as, you know, a certified yoga teacher, obviously, you know, not a therapist, not a doctor, but just mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher. But, you know, even if there are specific meditations or, you know, breathing techniques that I can share that are more specifically aligned with what a particular, you know, student or, you know, exam taker might need. That's what I'm really going for there. And then one of the other things that I, I love to do is I love journaling. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you share that love as well, but a lot of folks in this space do. And so based on sort of our conversations, I also try to write up some journaling prompts, you know, for, for students to kind of be able to write in the evening or in the morning, if they're setting intentions for the day, just to remind them of the importance of those wellness practices. Yeah, I do love journaling. I've been a big writer since I was in like elementary school, middle school. But especially journaling. Journaling is so much fun. And I like to go back and look at them. And then you're like, oh, look, I've changed so much. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. Amazing. And it is so cool to go back and look at your own growth and just Mm -hmm. be like, wow, I, this was, I was in such a different place, you know, a couple of months ago. um, Yeah. And you're not embarrassed when you go back and read journals the way you are old writings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, I can't read what I wrote that first year. (laughs) But with a journal, there's a little more compassion when you're reading. Yeah, no, so. that's true. I hadn't thought that. That's true. <laughs> so Dana, one last question here. You've mentioned that had you not gone to law school, you probably would have never created this business. Would you just share a little bit more about why you decided to make this a full business? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it comes from this place of, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so going through the experience of law school myself really helped to open my eyes to the fact that this particular population has a need. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that is what is driving my business is this desire to serve. It's, It's a desire to provide my friends, my colleagues, you know, and others out there with daily health and wellness practices that they can come to and that can help catalyze their own sort of, you know, internal growth. I think of this as an inward journey because there's so much that you can learn about yourself, but you do need to spend time with yourself and sort of come back to it every day because it is a practice, just like the practice of law, Mm -hmm. practice of yoga, you know, it can teach you so, so much. And I really wanted to be able to provide help and support for this particular community that is going through this, this sort of reckoning with, you know, what do we do about attorneys and their mental health? I mean, that's, that's just such a big topic right now. Yeah. And even though your services are available to anyone, 
I think it is especially important that you're an attorney who is practicing yoga because you're showing yoga doesn't have to be self-indulgent. It is something that we need for regular maintenance of life. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. it takes away the, you're speaking about it in a very practical, this will help your life kind of way that I think resonates with attorneys. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I'll just say, you know, I can't do some of those crazy poses you see on Instagram. You know? <laughs> My body does not work that way. And that is okay. The point is to come to your mat and to, you know, have some sort of intention or something you want to work on, or, you know, just to kind of figure out what you're going through that day and just to have fun with it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dana. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.